This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Oh, crumbs. All right. Let me just wipe the snot off my nose. Lovely. And let's do this. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. Starting. This is Witherspoon without Angus Haggis. He went home here at the Norwood Club in New York City with our very special guest star, Lucy V. Freeman. And we're going and we're going to do a dumpty dum for you all. Yes, Royfield, you're welcome. So I'm Witherspoon. I'm Lucy. Brian. Michelle. Teresa. Jenna. Master Miles. Philippe. Juliet, Sheila, one part of the Dumpty Sisters, Sue. <laughs> That's New York Nigel to you all. <laughs> all right, one, two, three. Dumpty, 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 Wow. <laughs> well can, done, you all. Uh, can I be really snipey about that? Because I wasn't there. It's was a bit slow, wasn't it? Well, like a mournful dirge, <laughs> I reckon. <laughs> oh, Roy, if you sound awful. No, that's what Malta does to you, Lucy. That part, that island is too fast-paced. I tell you, it's all going off down there. You come back a wreck. You go, you go, <laughs> you go down you there. You said it was pensioners. What are you talking about? Well, I tell you, Valletta. Whew, it's a hot part of a hot spot of action i tell you what a beautiful beautiful place i recommend anyone to go there quick weekend break lovely and warm um 80 quid return on ryanair oh bloody hell ryanair's horrible though jesus yeah. christ you might just fly the plane yourself yeah. god <laughs> no they probably charge you extra for that as well <laughs> 15 pounds well i only forgot to um i only forgot to well I never register online. You know, you go, you go, uh, like, I obviously take a lot of a lot of flights and stuff. I never register online. Never, ever, ever, ever do. Because you just turn up and you, you wave your passport and you get sorted. You push it in one of those machines, uh, you know, when you're going to check in or you just take it, take it to the, to the person there and you just sorted. I don't think it's just a waste of time and effort. Not on Ryanair. Fifty-five pounds. Thank you very much, please. Yeah. For them to, to check you in. I was like, oh god, never going to make that mistake again. No. But anyway, 
Well, anyway, Lucy, this is Dumby Dum, the show about the reality docudrama drama that centered on Ambridge in the heart of the Midlands. I'm the sensei. That is, well, I'm the snotty person that is Royful Brown. That should be. And with me, I have the sweaty matron with the banana. Oh, the sweaty banana, matron. A bandana, you I know, I know. <laughs> I, I stopped. I was going to read it again. With a bandana slipped over one eye, that is Lucy Freeman. And the last part of Ambridge's new hobby, folks, is you. Now, this week's Dumby Dum was uh, sent in by the New York Posse. Yeah, I don't like them because I, I wasn't there. So it was rubbish. So uh, if you can do a better one, that wouldn't be hard because it was rubbish because I wasn't there. Uh, what don't you... Uh, <laughs> uh, Lucy, tell us how people can send in... Oh, God, I'm, I'm, I'm really not on it today, am I? Nope. Not on it more than normal. Right, Luce. Now, yeah. let, I'm going to pull myself together. Uh, I'm pretty sure that any old random listener to this podcast could do a better rendition of Barwick Green than that. Right? Charming. Right. So, if they're going to do that, how can they do that? Uh, if you'd like to leave us your thoughts or a plot prediction, sing us a Dumpty Dum. Or be so delighted that for once it was someone else's child that stuffed up and not yours, you actually drive all the way over to their house to tell them. Leave us a message on SpeakPipe via DumptyDum.com or call us on 0203 Uh This week we need to thank Shambridge for her amazing voices, Mike Hatton for his character counts, Cosmo for his episode roundups, and to Derek, learn in the back bedroom. Uh, Derek was delighted to hear the news that Angela Merkel and Prince Harry are having a baby, uh, but is worried about it being the first mixed race royal baby, as no one wants a German baby in the royal family, surely. <laughs> That's quite good, that, Luce. Uh Right, now, we've got a shed load of calls. It's like the good old days, Lucy. I know, there's just millions of people. There's nothing like a, a last-minute tweet saying we've got no calls uh, to uh, go and elicit more calls. But on this week's show, of course, from Master Niles, Luke, Claire, Mia, Witherspoon, Ben, Glynn. Phone's ringing. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yes. <laughs> it's going to be one of those, isn't it? I can tell. <laughs> on this week's show, we have calls from Master Niles, Luke, Claire, Mia, Witherspoon, Ben, Glynn, Dusty Substances, and we have a call from Topsy who was at the meetup. But first, before the smorgasbord of calls, before I wax lyrical about the wonderful island that is Malta, or even the podcast Business Wars, let's brace, let's brace ourselves for our juicy loose. And our week in Ambridge. Oh, God. Yeah, it really is the good old days. <laughs> All right. Okay, here we go. I'll, I'll get the hang of this one day. I, I trust you. <laughs> this week's show was sponsored by the word adaptations and an in-depth discussion of the lavatorial arrangements for the elderly and infirm. We began mm. the week with Linda cornering Jimmus in the tea room to recruit him for the rap version of the Canterbury Tales. Jimmus said no and then said <laughs> yes, which is absolutely standard practice for the Christmas show. <laughs> the bathroom chat was free-flowing. The omnibus edition was like an Armitage Shanks brochure. If Chris wants the bathroom, Auntie Peggy isn't going to be able to tell her to wait for two hours. Two hours? Piggy definitely needs her downstairs facilities looking at if she's on the bog for two bloody hours. Unless, of course, she's reading the paper while having a fag and a cup of tea. Then fair play. Mm. Peggy doggedly keeps visiting Auntie Cardboard. I can't stay for long, she said. Oh, good, said Chris. You will remember to pick her up again, won't you, Lillian? And can you pick me up a copy of Horse and Hound and Leather Boys on Bikes? I need it, <laughs> I need it for the Stanislav adverts. 
<laughs> the only thing that wasn't about bogs was about research. Ooh, research, research. Tony's researching nursing homes. Natasha, there's lovely look yous researching the possibility of Tom's nuts. Anyone else <laughs> noticed that they're now doing fruit and nuts at Bridge Farm? It's basically Willy Wonka's chocolate factory now, except it won't even be proper chocolate. It'll be carob. Have you had an accident that wasn't your fault? Are you looking for a no-win-no-fee solicitor to represent a posh boy who pleaded guilty after being caught banged to rights for dealing drugs to the proles? Then contact <laughs> Bent and Nine Bob Note solicitors. Help. <laughs> it's not exactly the Shawshank Redemption, is it? Unless Freddie's been befriended by a 150-year-old black man, steals a teaspoon, puts a poster of Princess Eugenie and hollows out a tunnel from cell block B, which knowing Freddie will end up emerging in cell block D. You could do some education, <laughs> said Elizabeth. Oh, yeah, I could learn how to read and write, said Freddie. No, actually, I could. Fat ball, fat Paul <laughs> fell through a chair in the cider club. Joe started sniffing glue and then announced that folk don't mind crack. What the hell goes on in the cider club? And why has harassment not busted that? It sounds like Laurel and Hardy does train spotting. The week, uh, this week, basically the time we didn't spend at Auntie Cardboard's bedside, we spent with Joe and Eddie while they hoisted a portaloo onto the back of a flatbed truck. On behalf of Archer's listeners everywhere, if this was your first week, honestly, it's not always... No, it is actually. Uh, there's occasional <laughs> bouts of hot custard, but mostly it's occupational health and causes. <laughs> Shula, Helen and Emma went to karate class. When you live on your own, it's good to get out and do things, said Shula. I've got bell ringing, karate, judging people, and Wednesdays I've set aside for malicious phone calls. She quite yeah. enjoyed the karate class, though. You did ever so well, Shula, for an old fat woman, said Helen. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> oh dear. <sighs> yes, said Shula. I haven't made noises like that since I over-oiled my pommel. Talking of riding, Brian and Jenny saddled up their high horses and cantered over to Lower Loxley. How dare you have produced a son who provided drugs to our drug-taking granddaughter, the spawn of our drug-taking daughter, they said. <laughs> our drug-taking daughter would be having this conversation with you if she wasn't doing rep in Stockton on tea, so she isn't available to be outraged. So we're doing it without her. The ewes nearly knocked David over in an effort to get to the feed, which David then described as them being randy. I mean, I know there's a phenomenon of hangry, but not randgry. <laughs> David, the fact that he confuses the two could explain why Ruth hates cooking so much. Every time he says he's hungry, Ruth ends up bent over the deep freeze one way or another. Yeah. Adam and Brian had the same row they always have. In fact, I think they may have just played the same tape from a few months back. This time it was about black grass, which I presume they got from Freddie. And finally, we ended <laughs> wee wink. Well, sorry. And finally, we ended wee week on the archers. It's a bit like pastry week on the Bake Off, but more absorbent. With Piggy wazzing her family's inheritance up the wall by paying for Auntie Cardboard's extended stay at the Laurels. It's just the rim charge so far, but what Piggy's not banking on is the final total which will include the services of Alejandro, the gay Grable's masseurs, who's hoping to get Auntie Cardboard's wobbly hips up round her ears, and good luck with that. The end. Oh, well done. Oh, you know what? So wow. much sharper than, the, than your last one, this one. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? With you, I'm jet-lagged, and you've got, you've got a stinking cold. So this is going to be a very, a very half-arsed dumpty-dum with oh, two no. limping hosts. Well, well, no, no because we've got uh, we've got so many calls to help like pepper us along. All we need to do is just just play them and just go. And the next one is, and okay. the next one is because actually we well do done, have some, yeah. we do have some very 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 good calls this week. 
Now, um, you didn't mention uh, the Bulls quiz night. No, I didn't, did I? <laughs> you know, there was that whole thing about the Bruce Almighty yeah. and it's a wonderful life thingy. Yeah. You know, uh, Kerry slipped that in because that actually happened in a real life quiz. Oh, really? Yeah, he tweeted it out. <laughs> he tweeted it out. He said he, he went to a quiz and that happened. So, yeah. So he threw that in. So I just thought I'd just, just say that. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. Uh, what else? Uh, you're Alistair. He, he is coming into his own. You, you, he really you said is. He was, yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. He's all upbeat and, uh, yeah. and optimistic. Yep. That's what being mad to Shula does to you. just beats you down, doesn't it? I know, and people are going, oh, oh, do you think they're going to get back together? But I kind of hope they don't really, um, because I think if you're with somebody that makes you a bad version of yourself, you know, a a version of yourself that you don't like, he actually sounds like he likes himself now, and he didn't Mm. sound like he did before. And, uh, I mean, even she sounds sort of slightly better so well, you know, maybe they just needed going... a good a good shake up, but I don't think then you must go get back together again because then if the if it's the the dynam if the if it's the dynamics of the relationship that's wrong, you're just going to end up being the person you don't like again. Now you'll probably have more of a handle on this than me, but this, these statistics for couples that were married and then split up for whatever reason and get back together must be relatively high. Or, or more to the point, it's not that uncommon. Let me put it that way. Mm. All right. So w- what is the state of that second relationship when they come back? I think it's remembering that you've got a choice. Hmm. Sometimes, I know it sounds ridiculous, but sometimes I hear the way. Oh, that's right. Where was I? I was somewhere in Devon. The Lower East Side. I don't know. I was in Devon. I was in Devon in... um. Uh, at a wildlife park uh-huh. and um this man uh had a spaniel with him and the spaniel smelled um something in one of the animal there were like little hutches and there was clearly a rabbit or something in there and mm-hmm. without meaning to the spaniel just made an absolute beeline for this um uh this this rabbit whatever it was and mm. roared over to the hutch and um and then, as soon as the man realized he said um he said oh god because he didn't want it to frighten the rabbits. So he said, come away, come away. And he pulled the dog away. And that was it. End of. And his wife had seen him and she came. I've never seen the word bristling with anger. She literally was. Mm-hmm. She came marching over to him. And in front, I was standing there. I think my son was standing there. Lots of people were around. She said to him, what is the matter with you? You are such an idiot. She's going like this. And honestly, if she'd spoken to a child like that, you would have called the the authorities it was just awful and i thought you're talking to another adult he just made a mistake i mean god knows what i mean for all i know he's an absolute nightmare to live with and whatever but you Mm. do see so many couples in long-term relationships that just it's not even lack of respect it's just lack of civility there's not even politeness it's almost like an absolute determination to sort of um humiliate the other one it's just awful and um i think when you've got that sort of level of familiarity then it's it is just uh, that you just if when you get to the stage where you've just got contempt and boredom for each other you need reminding that you have got a choice about whether or not you stay with that person or you know you chose that 
Mm. And I think when people split up and then get back together, it's because they've they've been reminded forcibly that they have a choice about who they're with and why. And, And if you don't think about that choice very often, that's what you end up with. You just end up with just regarding the other person as sort of a piece of irritating furniture where the leg keeps coming off or something like that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think so. I think so. But did you answer my, my question, which is how does the second, when you get back with them the second time? But I think it's much nicer because you have reminded yourself that you, you know, you've then, you, You've reminded yourself that you've chosen that person for a reason and you've reminded yourself what that reason was and you've willingly chosen them again. So uh-huh. it, it, the, I think you're then much more tolerant of the other person because you've you've sort of reminded yourself of what your options are. Hmm. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Because it is marked that he's all happier Mm. And he's come to terms with it. And there's nothing like running to get the endorphins going. And mm. so that you just feel more positive anyway. Mm. You, know, you, you, you get out of bed in the morning, you're like, it's a new day ahead. You know, mm. it's all right. I can face it. Mm. You know, and you just you just want to do things, you know, and, you know, there, there's not the, anyone ever um, breaks up from a relationship do something where you physically you have to get a bit of a sweat on because you mm. just feel so much better. It just it does something to your brain chemistry, mm. you know, and, and that's utterly marked with Alistair. And I think you know, and I think it's it's interesting also that that Shula, bear in mind that you know she's the the dumper, I suppose the dumpy, uh, but yeah, you know, her doing the karate with with Helen yeah. uh, was, was uh, I think quite an interesting and instructive scene this week. Yeah. Mm. But talking about interesting and instructive scenes, um, Natasha and Tom. Now, why couldn't he just ask her out, Lucy? I think he's lost all faith in himself after Kirsty. Uh. And um, he's now he now feels like he's a sort of an unexploded bomb. He kind of feels like. <laughs> he, he he walks into situations and he doesn't know when he's going to sort of, um, oh dear, it's making it sound like um, premature ejaculation. I don't mean that. Well, that, that I just that, mean that. That's the image that I had. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, he doesn't, because he doesn't properly understand yet what happened to him when he, when he um, jilted Kirsty, because he doesn't understand what triggered that, he doesn't really trust his own ability to yeah to judge relationships anymore because he's scared that it might happen again that he might lead someone on he might give them the wrong impression he's you know that's why he was so determined to make it absolutely clear with hannah you know Mm. is this okay is it okay for me you're not going to be cross if i go out with someone else now and um you know and she had to reply in very in in similar vein to make it absolutely crystal clear to him that it was all right Mm. um I think he's just lost all faith in himself. Uh, I don't know about all faith, but there is definitely something, um, you know, old Tom with the with the woman from the supermarket way yeah. back when, like about 12 years ago, was, yeah. was straight in there, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, Mr. Uji Smooze. Yeah. Know, so um, he didn't need a, a second invitation to ask her out. Though I did think it was uh, 
nice, quaint, cute, whatever the word is, I, I can't quite think, uh, the, the whole scene with Hannah. Because actually, I just thought for a moment, well, Tommy's not a bad person. He's a no. bore. But yeah. I just thought, you're a nice guy. He was making sure. Yes. Even though yes. she's very clearly said at the start, this is what yeah. it is. We're going yeah. to enjoy it. She's going out with, with Ryan or whoever. I, I can't re- I can't quite remember his name. But she, you know, she's chasing after some, some other bloke's tail. But, you know, I just thought, you know what? Good for you. You're a decent yeah. guy. You're just making yeah. sure. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And he didn't ask uh natasha there's lovely look you out first and then go to hannah and say actually i've done this was that okay Mm. he didn't because he didn't want to because if she'd said no he'd have then had to have not gone out with natasha or like you know he he's absolutely making sure that the field is clear because he you know he needs that reassurance uh because he you know he sort of doesn't uh, he's realized that his previous behavior was a bit sort of um rash around women Mm. so he's now trying to think over, but as a result, he's kind of overthinking everything. But you know, better than, better to overthink than underthink. Well, that's dating that's, the, that's I think. the Bridge Farm lot, isn't it? They overthink yeah. everything with their business plans and spreadsheets. He's probably, he's probably drafting a report as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> a SWOT analysis of yeah. um, you know. Then we'll have a field study next week. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> but it did make me think. Right, all the business, the business of farming. So you've got Brookfield and they don't, they do chop and change a little, don't they? They had the new shed some time ago and all this kind of malarkey. I can't quite remember. Then you've got the home farm lot, but there is something crushingly boring about this, this bunch. And when they go about business, apart from the, and we talked about it before that they chop and change all over the place. The fact that they're still in business, heaven only knows how that's even come about really. And it does feel very much like a cottage industry which is a, a tenuous link for me just to quickly talk about this very quickly, Lucy. Um, okay. It's this podcast called Business Wars, and it sounds like something you just think, oh, God, it is so good. Um, these American podcasts, and it's not an NPR one, but they have this great uh, way of giving you hardcore information, but in a very conversational, chatty way. It's It's one of those. There's a, a podcast called Planet Money, which is awesome, but I, I'm not here to, to, to big that up. But Business Wars is brilliant. And what they do is they have two classic brands going up against each other historically. So Coke versus Pepsi. What right. a fascinating history. So the bloke who, who invents Coke, Mr. Pemberton, in the 1890s is this drug fiend. And um, he's, I think he sold the rights to his the recipe for like $500 and then was dead like nine months later, you know, just addicted to yeah. whatever drug or whatever. And then you've got all the imitators and Pepsi uh, come along and and how they get market share. Each episode's about 20 minutes long and it's the history of a business duel. It is fascinating. bloody nating. So, so Business Wars, if you want to, uh, it's just a great podcast. And I just wanted to throw that in because I've been meaning to mention it for weeks. And there's a tenuous link talking about the business of, of Home Farm. And uh, and there you go. So, right. Now, back on to uh, Ambridge Matters. I think I was a little bit mean when we did the live show about Auntie Chris. <laughs> Are you? I said, what's the point of her? Just bump her off. <laughs> So you actually suggested we should have her put down 
I think that were, that were <laughs> your words. Well, well, I suppose the point of her is elderly care, isn't it? Yes. That is the point. You know, yeah. it's just as a character, she hasn't been compelling for 30 years. Since her hubby died, I'd, you know, she's just, well, her nickname says it all, really. And it's no slur on the fine work that the actor does. But no. I just think, you know, it's she's just not been served up with anything really worth commenting on other than old people are gullible they get scammed um yeah. old people are infirm yeah. uh, old people have worries about their health which is something yeah. that miss mid-city uh, goes goes on about ad nauseum doesn't she that you know, how comes none of the old people are yeah, suffering yeah. from dodgy <laughs> yeah. hips how well, come at least half of them should have type 2 diabetes judging by the, 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 the national statistics yeah. yeah exactly yeah. yeah yeah so i'm sorry auntie chris I do know the reason why you're on the arches now, and it's just to remind us that our senior citizens have have health issues. Right. Uh, We've got so many calls. So there are so many more notes I've got here. Why don't we just like get on with the calls? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I could, uh, and then then through through one of the stings, I'm going to wipe my nose or something. So, all right then. So (laughs) let's do this. Hello, Ambridge3962. Right, uh, shall we start off with the US of A and Master Niles? Yes. Hello, this is Master Miles. I'm normally somewhere in upstate New York, but at the moment I'm somewhere in New York City, where last night I attended a really great meetup with a dozen Dumpty Dummers organized by Witherspoon and graced by the presence of Lucy B. Freeman. So thanks to them for that. Like most great dinner parties, we spent the evening gossiping about people who weren't there. That is, the citizens of Ambridge. So about them. The Bridge Farm archers continue to baffle and bore me in equal measure. They're a four-person family farm that runs like a giant consulting company, focused entirely on process and prolonged decision-making, not on product. They've had at least four major family meetings to choose between cows and trees. So, of course, they've opted for both. Now that they're going ahead with Tom's agroforestry plan, you might think the next step would be to plant some actual fucking trees. <laughs> now, now the combined brain power of Tom and Helen is needed to plan some exciting site visits. <laughs> it makes me wonder what exactly was in Tom's plans at all those family meetings. Apparently just a crayon drawing of a tree with a heart carved into the trunk saying Tom and Natasha. Why she still gives him the time of day is a mystery, but my prediction is that she's just angling to get her bottled juices into the farm shop. Speaking of bottled up juices, I love the Grundy's plan to install a portajon outside the cider club. Nothing enhances the sour reek of homebrew cider like the whiff of an unmaintained chemical toilet. <laughs> and he thought the toxic waste at home farm was bad. I also smell something funny about Josh this week and his offer to let Johnny come over to watch him do the milking. It's not like Josh to be this nice. So I'm predicting that before long, Johnny will be taking over most of Josh's milking as well. But at least it'll give Johnny a chance to see how a competent farm works. (laughs) That's all I've got for this week. So thanks. Keep up the good work and I'll see you soon. I did think that was very suspicious as well. Yeah. He Mm. sounded too... He's he's quite unlikable, isn't he? Hmm. Um... Yeah, he just sounded too keen. I did like him um, when he was sort of a bit abashed about Elizabeth coming down and, and you know, uh, complaining about him um, 
uh, uh, apparently gossiping about uh, about Freddie, and uh, you know, and then he sort of said, "I've made your cup of tea, Aunt Elizabeth. Thank you, Aunt Elizabeth." You know, and he suddenly sounded <laughs> like a you know, yes, this person, um, uh, which was quite sweet, I thought. But um, yes, I don't. He's not a likable boy, and uh, yeah, I could just see Johnny absolutely being being ripped off royally on that one. Mm. Absolutely. Uh, you can hear it in his voice. He says, oh, so you need to... Yeah, he did quite well, you know, but he needs a bit more practice. And I thought, yeah, at what yeah, point yeah. are you going to say, oh, he's he's he's, he's going to... Um, he, he needs to do it himself now to build up his confidence. And then, you know, Johnny's basically running two jobs and only being mm. paid for one. Exactly, exactly. Right, now, this is Claire from Clapham. Hi, Dumpty Dum. It's Claire from Clapham here. Uh, so fantastic to see everyone uh, last week in Birmingham. Really enjoyed it. And I think I may have made a new convert to the show. So hi, Liz, if you're listening. Um, wanted to talk today about the situation at the lodge. Firstly, how is there no downstairs toilet at the lodge? I can't believe that Peggy has got to this age and has nursed Jack there for quite a long time. And she yeah. had a stroke, didn't she, or something? Um and there's still no downstairs toilet, and they've never mentioned it before, that it might be a good idea. I mean, you thought they might have done that 10 years ago. Uh, so I find that all a bit bizarre. But uh, just like the ever-expanding number of bedrooms, some of the interior arrangements of these homes <laughs> in the arches don't become apparent until they're a plot point. So there you go. Um, about the time they did have a downstairs toilet, quite frankly. Uh, and as predicted, I was going to ring in and predict that she'd pay for the, the laurels uh, for Christine to hide the fact that Christine has unwisely spent all yeah. her money uh, and lost it. Um, so my plot prediction now is that uh, something will happen Christine will still be in the laurels and Peggy will die or something will happen and someone will have to take over a financial affairs and they'll realise that Peggy's paying for it. And um, the family will get even more upset because, frankly, they were treating Christine like some sort of horrific parasite already just for having a fall. And uh, <laughs> so goodness knows what that's going to happen. And by the by... I don't really remember exactly how Christine is related to anyone. She's not the closest relevant relative to everybody, but literally half the village has been into the hospital. I mean, goodness knows she must have the most wonderful personality because <laughs> I find that quite <laughs> unlikely that like hordes of full-time working people yeah. have managed to make it in the very small slot for yeah. hospital visiting hours and they're all coming and telling each other how she's doing. Goodness me, I wish I was so lucky. Anyway, keep up the good work. Speak to you soon. Bye. Uh, do you want to do the family tree? <laughs> no, <laughs> well, I'm rubbish at that. Well, all right. So Christine is Peggy's uh, sister-in-law. So Christine was the sister of Phil, who is David's uh, father, and she was the brother. She was the sister, sorry, of Jack, who was Peggy's husband. So the three of them were siblings. So she is everybody's aunt or great aunt. Yeah. Yeah, so but I completely agree. Like when Adam turned up for the hospital visit, I was thinking, "What? You know, he's he's absolutely he keeps going around saying, oh, 'I'm so busy. I've got time. Oh, just one rasher of bacon. I haven't got time to eat too. <laughs> when you think, "Oh, do you know what? Put one on top of the other and get it down, you, you big idiot." But um, <laughs> yes, but apparently you can clear up. You know, it costs a fortune to park. You're only two people are allowed in at once. The visiting hours are about an hour. That's, you know, it's just so unrealistic that that many people would go in, even if she was, as you said, you know, um, Mother Teresa or something. It would be highly unlikely that that many people could get in to visit her uh, at 
you know, and then like, you know, we'll go back and tell each other how she's doing and everything. And Well, yeah. it, here's the thing though, right? The, so this morning on Radio 4, there was something, there's a show about loneliness, a program about loneliness, and they were talking about interdependent cultures and independent yeah. cultures. And generally north of Europe and North America is independent cultures. You know, uh, we don't have that wider extended family. And then in the, in the Mediterranean and there is the rest of the world, um, we have inter- interdependent uh, cultures. And one of the things which I like about the Archers is that all the families aren't just nuclear. You have these nuclear families as 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 the hub, but there is, you know, the Archers fundamentally are three families: Bridge Farm, Brookie, and then um, Home Farm. You know, the, one of one of the one of the scion, one of the branches of the Archers family are called Aldridges, but Jennifer was an Archer, and then you've got Peggy and whatever. And I kind of like that. Me being kind of of West Indian parentage, I'm. You know, it, this feels very real to me. But also, this is this is uh, a docudrama, drama, in parentheses, a soap. So um, you've got to play up the fact that people are actually related to each other anyway. So it's going to be t- the wick is going to be turned up a little bit higher than it would uh, in in real life, so to speak. Yeah. But yeah, would Adam find the time during the day to go there if he's worrying about the black grass and? Uh, Brian just told us well, to everything else that no. Adam that he unhelpfully listed for us as as his duties. Hmm. But I saw this saw this great comedian um, last oh god just last month last month in the East Bay in San Francisco and just absolutely brilliant. And this black guy and he says Lucy says I'm fed up with being black. You white people are so much more rational. And whatever I don't, I don't know if you're black anymore. And he says, "Take the instance of death." I was traveling in the car with with my friend Brad. Brad takes a call from his brother Pete, and he goes, "Hi, Brad. Hi, Pete. Uh, grandma's dead. Oh my God, she's dead. Yes. Oh, that's bad. Okay. Well, um, the funeral <laughs> the funeral will be next week, Tuesday. Okay. Well, I'll bring the family. Okay, brother. Love you. Love you too." And he says, puts the phone down. And he says, what's happened there? And he says, grandma's died. He says, oh, okay. And the sister just drove on. And he says, if you were black, you could not have that conversation. (laughs) And be so calm. And Lucy, this is so true. Right. And it just goes this whole thing of kind of wider extended families. And he says, well, he he says so. And I've witnessed this. The phone rings, ring, 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 ring. Pick up the phone. She's dead. Who's dead? <laughs> she's dead. Who's dead? She's gone. <laughs> Who's gone? You know. Even <laughs> Lucy, I have been on the end of calls like that ad nauseum ad, it's just so true and he says it takes you five minutes to find out who's actually dead there's no calmness <laughs> right this person is wailing oh, and whatever i it was just you know this whole thing about culture so i must admit somebody with west indian uh west indian parentage i love all the white the wider stuff and and my and you know and my wider family is something which is kind of real to me but this is a soap you know, so they've got to play all that stuff up. But, you know, just to answer Claire from Clapham's question, 
you know, she's every she's everybody's aunt and great aunt. So, mm. right now, my, my grandma used to like going in to visit ill friends because she would find out what everyone else on the ward had and who they were. <laughs> so she she was always much more interested in the person she wasn't visiting than the person she was, and she'd just use the ill person that she knew to sort of mine them for information about who, what about the lady at the end? She doesn't look very well at all. Oh, is she? Oh, from the big houses in Abingdon. Oh, you know, and then be sort of you know. And you think you're, you're only here for the gossip. There's, you, you've got no genuine interest in the person that's about to cark it. Anyway. Well, <laughs> a couple of things just quite quickly. Um, my occupational therapist friend was very pleased that it was an occupational therapist that said that um, the lodge was not fit for Christine, as opposed to the social worker. So they always say it's the social workers come around. Yeah, and no, back. someone else tweeted and said haha thank you for mentioning yes. the occupational health yeah. person yes because she's forever going out to people's homes doing that and she says i get upset when they always say the social worker has, has done that so so big thumbs up uh, from becky because she says well well done kerry for getting your facts right for, for a change <laughs> and secondly <laughs> it has to be said one of the best weeks of my life lucy guess where i was i don't know I was about 17 18 hospital I had to go to hospital for a whole week <laughs> Had a did tests because my my balance went. Um, Ooh, yeah. Always used to be able to run and dodge. I used to play rugby and I was a winger and all this kind of stuff. And my balance just went, and so they did all these lumbar plunges and all manner of tests and didn't find anything wrong with me. Stuff. So, but to be in hospital for a week, it was what was that really dodgy soap opera in in the eighties in the, on the, and they're on that hospital ward. Do you remember? And they're all wearing dressing gowns. Oh, that was that was a sitcom. Yeah, what did I call I'm it? I'm H-A-P-P-Y. I'm H-A-P-P-Y. Yeah. I am H-A-P-P-Y. Yes. I tell you, everybody was like a character off of a soap. <laughs> it really was. There, there was the sexy nurse. There really was. Right. There was the student nurse who didn't know what she was doing. Then there was the, there was the matron. Then there was the old fat guy in the corner just farting all the time. And he'd just go, <laughs> it's thundering over Bill's mother's. You know, that's all ever said. Like, and oh, God. Right. There was the, the bloke snipping out for a fag all the time. It was brilliant. It was, <laughs> you know, and I was by far the youngest person on the ward. And I think another reason why I really liked it was because I was only 17 and I was on an adult ward. So I was being let yeah. into, you know, um, the yeah. adult world for the first time and yeah. treated as an equal. Yeah. You know, but, and also you just get to lie down and people bring you food. That's what I just, I, <laughs> I've been moaning consistently about flying back from New York. Well, flying because I hate mm. flying overnight. I hate it. Why? But you I'm just quite like, no, I can't. I can't sleep on flights. But going mm. out there, I quite like it. Because when it's day, when it's day, when it's not a night flight, because basically it is like being a child. You're completely infantilized. You're in this very, mm. you're in, you're in your travel seat. You're covered with a blanket. They bring you food. They turn the lights off when they want you to be quiet and go to sleep. And there's like 200 people completely infantilized. It's quite nice. No, listen, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, (laughs) When you get to watch TV that you would never watch normally. Yeah. You're sort of trapped. You can't do anything else. And yes. And they, and they, and then, and then the lady came round with ice creams halfway, halfway there. She suddenly turned up with a basket full of magnums. And I thought, this is crackers. And I thought, am I? What airline were you flying with? BA or British something? Airways. Oh, there you go. Yeah. There you go. 
so she comes around with these magnums and I was thinking, I must be dreaming. This is because I was thinking about this, you know, this is I'm being totally infantilized. I thought she'll be along with a bottle in a minute and tip my seat back and say, right, nighty nighty, turn the mm. lights off. It's quite great, quite good. <laughs> well, I British Airways, uh, great airline, twice have upgraded me uh because I was just nice. So a big thing, but I can't afford to travel British Airways, unlike some Freeman. But anyway, uh, what a wonderful airline! What a wonderful um, advert for our nation! Right now, uh, <laughs> shall we have Glyn? Yes. Hello, Dumpty Dum. It's Glyn here. It's been a few weeks since I um, called in. I think it's more a case of lack of time and opportunity than lack of inspiration with the archers. Although I, I confess. The latter must have played a little bit of a part. Not that excited about the Freddy story, really, to be honest. And definitely not excited about the Tom and Hannah story. Yes, Freddy's been all over social media since he's been um, since he's been banged up. But there seems to be remarkably little on social media, at least recorded or reported, about Lily and Russ. And surely, you know, everyone at the college must have worked out what's going on. And surely that would be all over social media as well. So I'm a bit confused about that. I'm also very, very surprised that we haven't heard anything from Lily since um, uh, Freddie has uh, has has gone down. You'd have thought um, she would at least have uh, appeared um, at once at uh, Lower Loxley to, um, uh, if, if only to berate um, Elizabeth for being a, a terrible mother. Um, I am pleased that they have finally um, decided to do a another um, uh, elderly elderly parent or elderly rel- uh, relative care story. I think that's been a, a missing element in in the village for a while. Um, slightly contrived that um, Chris has got the um, fairy uh, fairy godmother in terms of, of Peggy to pay all the care bills, but in, maybe there's a few twists and turns going on there. But I think uh, for many uh, listeners, um, this will be a story that uh, that resonates. So glad they're doing it. Thank you very much for continuing to do this wonderful podcast. I really enjoyed listening to the live edition from uh, Birmingham and best wishes to all in Dumpty Dumland. I hope Glyn comes next year. I like him, you know. Yes, he's lovely. We have some wonderful, wonderful listeners. And I'm just going to take this opportunity, Lucy, and this is just uh, just just because mm. kind of come to me. Because I just thought Glyn Fuller Love is just a properly decent bloke. And I love when he, you know, he's been to the live shows and had a little bit of a chat with him before. But Andrew Horn, right, he, um, yeah, he was just so lovely that whole weekend kept on asking me if there's anything yeah. he could do and I said oh no Aww. nothing and he says well I'll conduct the dumpty dum like he actually wanted like to do stuff and you know and he's an integral part of um of our caller inners and stuff and, and yes. an integral part of the kind of the audience but there was a point when I saw him with Amy Gilbert um taking her arm as we were doing the canal walk and they were just walking on ahead because uh, obviously Amy, Amy's blind, and so he's taking up taking her arm. And then I think there was a point when she must have said, "Oh, let me just see what see what the canal is like for a bit." So maybe for about two minutes, um, he let go of her arm, and she, with a stick, was kind of feeling her way and walking. And then he just kind of right. calmly got her arm back again. And I just thought, you know what? We have such a yeah. bloody lovely 
considerate yeah, we have. set of listeners. And then Vicky, yeah. Vicky from Kenya, now Sri Lanka, uh, took uh, took her back to the train station, Amy and Topsy and whatever. And just, it sounds really naff and trite, and I am overly sentimental. But uh, we have such a bloody lovely set of listeners. So, Andrew, I didn't say thank you to you at that weekend. Um, but you know, thank you for it, for uh, for everything that you did and conducting not one but two dumpy dums and just being a, a total star. So, uh, so, so thank yeah. you. Well, I was thinking when I was standing with Witherspoon in the um, in the in the Norwood, and mm-hmm. um, lots of people who had lots of people came that had come bef- last year or whatever yeah. it was two years ago, and some people came that didn't had never been and didn't know each other, and. Um, we were talking and and he said, look, look, look. And we turned around and everybody was nattering away to everybody else. And he said, look, uh, he's, what did he say? It's not like, look what we've done, but look, it's something like that. Sort of, um, look, everybody has got, everybody's happy to be here and everybody knows everybody without knowing them. You know what your common thing is. You know what sort of person someone's yeah. going to be because they like the same thing as you. And it was just lovely just to think god this thing has got sort of a life of its own just wonderful no absolutely and um yeah there was just so much of that and when we had the dinner on the saturday night because so there's 40 people for dinner and approximately half were dumpty dummers and the other half were um archer single social people and i made a point of saying after dinner Right, if you're a dumpty dummer, stand up, and I kind of mixed everybody up so everyone could just so people just weren't in their in their little cliques and stuff. And yeah, and yeah, we've all got the archers in common, haven't we? So everybody's like, "Yep, okay, yep, fine." You know, hello, random new person, yeah. but you're not really that random because if nothing else, uh, we can just talk about the the nonsense that is that is Bridge Farm or or whatever, and just like. And 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 it was just kind of like lovely, and I just can't wait uh, to um, to organise again for next year. But anyway, Glyn Fuller, love you're awesome. Andrew Horn, you're awesome. Uh, Amy Gilbert, you're awesome. And now we have a call from Topsy, who similarly had a good time at the Dumpty Dum weekend. Hello, Dumpty Dummers. This is Louise here, or Topsy for Roy Hill's benefit, um, coming to you live from Hereford, the home of the official Hereford Bull. And I wanted to quickly talk to you a little bit about the tour last weekend. It was amazing. To come across so many people with a passion for the archers was just unbelievable. It was a very moving, moving event, really. And I'm just talking rubbish. So it's great. Um, But yes, I wanted to just say a little bit about the tour. The tour of BBC Birmingham was very interesting, especially the bit when we actually got to stand in the archers' studio and literally feel and have a look at and get to handle some of the props that we hear on a weekly or daily basis from some of our favourite characters. I was quite gobsmacked, actually, to learn that the kettle they use is identical to my kettle at home. It's quite something. And also the um, the fact that we stood in the dead room. Now, that was a bit weird. It was a bit like cabin pressure gone mad you kind of stood there and your head was pounding because there was so much soundproofing it did feel like you were coming into land from a very very great height and your head was about to explode but that was apparently the room where Nigel Pardita's iconic scream took place and 
it um, the lady who took us around kind of gave us a bit of a demonstration of that by running around the corner of the room and creating the illusion of distance, which was quite clever. Who would have thought that the stuff that comes out of a mattress could create such an illusion of distance? Anyway, I'm not very good at these messages. I do waffle slightly. So you must forgive me for uh, not being more prepared than I am. And I've already attempted one of these messages and it's not worked very well. So I'm going to soldier on. The canal walk was just a laugh, especially when someone decided to do a dumpty dum underneath a bridge under the canal. And... Um, sorry, alongside the canal, and a cyclist came across us and wondered what the heck we were doing and gave us all a bit of a weird look. I can imagine that being a little bit strange. But anyway, it was good fun. And I want to give a couple of shout-outs before I wrap this up because I don't want to be uh, accused of floundering too much. As I say, I've already attempted this once before and got completely tongue-tied, so yes. There you go. But I want to give a couple of shout outs to Andrew, Nancy, Christina. I hope you enjoyed your visit from Michigan to the UK. And uh, others, including um, Mary, Sean, and of course, my friend Amy, who persuaded me to come on this thing in the first place. And the Dumpty Dum Live was fab. Well done, guys. It was great. I'm now going to stop waffling. Enjoy, be happy, and I'll speak to you soon. Aww. Greetings, Lucy Royfield, Millie Bell, Yoko Bear, and all Dumpty Dummers around the world. It's Witherspoon and Angus Haggis here. First, I very much enjoyed listening to the live Dumpty Dum show. Well done, all of you. And then had the pleasure to host Jet Setting Lucy at New York's Dumpty Dum Meetup at Norwood Club on Friday night. In addition to myself and Lucy, New York Nigel, noted Dumpty Dum sibling Sheila McGuire, Jenna, Sue, Paul, Juliet, Michelle and Brian, and Teresa and Philippe, all the way from Fort William, Scotland, having just disembarked from a transatlantic cruise earlier in the day, were in attendance. We had a great time over drinks and dinner. Let's do it again when Royfield is in town. Otherwise, just a couple of brief notes on the last few days in Ambridge. As I alluded to on social media, the helicopter mother, who is Elizabeth, seemingly crashed and burned this week. She projected her anger onto others and held onto the fantasy of saving Freddie from prison for a crime he committed, even after he told her to bugger off and let him do his time. Elizabeth needs to fully accept that Freddie's behavior was illegal and put others at risk. Until then, she will not be able to board that flight out of Egypt, i.e. the land of denial. Other observation. Good for you, Adam, for standing up to Brian. But why does it seem that whenever you get angry, you always seem to be on the edge of becoming unhinged? My advice to you is to keep it more together when you want to confront someone, especially Brian. Well, that's it for now. We'll talk to you all soon. Uh, why were you in New York? Do you have a lot of business to do there or something? No, 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 just a little hollier. A oh, little holiday. Okay. Awesome. Well, Luke's not in New York. He's in California. Hello, guys. Have you noticed that Freddie's beginning to sound like a football commentator? I find this a very, very exciting development. Thank you very much for the show. You guys are brilliant. See you later. Bye. He does have a weird speaking pattern, doesn't he, our Freddie? Yes, he does. But... It's, I think it's quite, um, 
I think it's quite accurate for a pub, for a um, he's not a public school, he's a private school boy. Um, and he also tries to like when he's in the prison, <clears throat> he tries to deliberately um, uh, um, he tries to deliberately sort of slide it down a bit because if anyone's listening, he doesn't want it. You know, he doesn't want them to hear him talking like that. And um, uh, it, it, yeah, I think it's quite. It is odd, but I think it's quite accurate. For his background and his age. And they all speak peculiarly teenagers anyway, don't they? <laughs> um, I noticed um, with my children, because they've been brought up in, in, in London, well, I suppose it's all children, actually. They kind of have a very, they, they're total accent chameleons and they slide up and down the scale of, of everything depending on who they're talking to. And William will William wears his headset when he's, when, you know, when you play games across a, computer games across um across the internet so he's playing with his mates and he'll mm. put, he'll turn to me and he, and I say will do you want a drink and he'll say yes please can i have hot chocolate then he puts his headphones on and goes what's up dude <laughs> 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 to his friend or um now what did he say all right geese he said the other day to his little his little friend and I thought, yeah, you've completely got at least three voices and I probably only hear one of them, don't I, most of the time. But it mm. does just really make me laugh. And I think I think teenagers in particular, which kind of like they try out several accents and several voices before they settle on one. Mm. I'm not sure Freddie's settled yet. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's an interesting point. In America, they call it code switching. That And it's the ability to, to um, <clears throat> deliver a conversation to different audiences in different ways. And it's one of the big issues uh, in the kind of African-American community about, you know, back in the 1980s, things were What's strong. What's it called so again? Code switching. So what? Code switching. Code switching, okay. Yeah. 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 So um, in, in the 80s, you had um, the rise of eubonics and it's a case of this is the way that African-Americans speak. We can speak yeah. like that and we're going to teach this in university. And then, you know, you realise very quickly that professionally it's a dead end you're going to get any job um any white collar job you cannot speak like that so there's this there's this recognition of the fact that like what african americans need to do and of which many people do anyway which um william is doing is code switching the way that you speak to one person isn't necessarily the way you speak speak to another right and 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 like somebody like um barack obama actually was not a code switcher that's just the way that he spoke and he spoke in a way which yeah. was quite which was you know it was totally uh, received american kind of kind of diction whereas somebody like uh, the reverend al sharpton doesn't code switch yeah. you know yeah. and you could you could very well argue that america will get its first black president when that president doesn't have to code switch he can speak in a way which is yeah. recognizably african-american to a white audience yeah but anyway yeah um, i love all that kind of stuff uh now yeah loose yes uh shall we have, have got now? Uh, i think it's ben well i don't think i know actually because my, my, my knob here says ben so i'll hit <laughs> it and we'll, and we'll hear ben okay my patch it's my little sound patch 
Hello Dumpty Dum, this is Welsh Ben from Coventry. I'm a first time caller runner, so you'll want my credentials. I'm an early 40s test engineer, originally from Wales, and I started listening about the time that Abby Tucker was born, so I guess that makes me an Abby. I want to talk to you about uh, Hannah, I want to defend her. There's been a lot of negativity towards her, mainly from her opinions about Neil, but she doesn't have our history with him. She's only seen the side of him that can't manage people, technology, or a large pig operation generally, or concerns mm-hmm. that he has tried to voice to Susan himself. Not that she seems to listen. Hannah's also seen him try to use his position to get him a preferential treatment with regards to the affordable homes. So please give her a break. can understand most of her opinions. I enjoyed the live recording last week. I was the rugged bearded gentleman three rows behind Yokel Beer, clapping like a 12-year-old fangirl. Thanks, Dumpty Dum. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you very much for calling in, Ben. Um, mm. uh, I think, actually, my, my opinion of Hannah has gone up. Really? Because she was... Yeah, because she did exactly what she said she would do. What I was worried would happen was that she would say to um, Tom. Uh, Tom, yeah, yeah, it's all completely cool. Honestly, I understand about you and Hannah and if and don't worry about it. And, um, you know, we're just a casual thing. And, and if anything m- more significant comes up, then that's fine. And I thought... I don't know if when it, when, when it actually comes to it, she'll suddenly start going oh what do you mean da, da, da. well what has she got i've got you know and be arsy and make him feel bad lucy give but it actually, time give it she, time. really give it time yeah, but she was so good and i thought i thought i really hope that she does there's no she way is as cool there's no way that this that triangle does. has been set up without some kind of dramatic payoff no way so i'm not saying necessarily that it'll be her that will say that she'll, you know, realize that actually when Tom is doing a thing with Natasha, that she's that she really likes Tom. But there's going to be some payoff. Why else have they been bonking each other on on a docudrama? Like, because to- I think that they are trying to show a Tom's lack of confidence in himself, and b the fact that she is genuinely not a, you know, what would be seen as a traditional woman in a soap that she's stronger than that or more interesting than that. I take that and I and I probably agree, right? But there's going to be some fallout somewhere. As sure as eggs is eggs, right? <laughs> as sure as Neil's eggs are Neil's eggs, right? It, it's going to eat. That has to be. That just absolutely has to be. Oh, it's Josh's eggs, wasn't it? Not Neil's. Um, so, uh, but no, I, I do like the fact that they're setting her up to be, as you said, this sexually confident young woman. Um, and and that, that's all to the good. But Hang on a sec, sorry. Gonna, what's happened to those eggs, to by a the 12-minute uh, continuous soap. So some shit will hit a fan sooner or later. Um, now we've done that call, should we have um, a little bit of our Dusty? Yes. Hello, it's Dusty Substances here, the wrong sort of listener. Uh, first of all, can I say how much I enjoyed hearing the live dum-de-dum from Birmingham? I was really sorry not to get there, but it sounded as if you'd all had a smashing time. So hopefully I can get to another one. Uh, you asked three questions on Facebook for us to answer. How will Lizzie cope? Uh, very badly with any luck. Um, <laughs> along with Vanessa Whitburn, she was the architect of much of her misfortune. So um, a little bit of schadenfreude there i think she's going to have to go into partnership with oliver at Mm -hmm. some point assuming lewis isn't hiding behind a cupboard or something um, because he could probably take over the license and uh, give her a bit of moral support 
the next question was, are Tom and Hannah really over? Uh, my answer is I don't really care as long as I don't have to hear it. Um, the question about Christine's hip, I think it's a brilliant issue to be covering because I expect a lot of families like mine have had to face this sort of issue in the past and probably again in the future without the resources that uh, Ma Woolley can throw at it. So I'm looking forward to hearing how that pans out. Uh, the really big issue that you didn't ask about was Alistair's broad bean recipe. That sounded incredibly soigné. So I'm hoping for more culinary tips from Alistair and Jimmus in the future. Uh, I think that's about it from me. So love to you all and bye. Bye-bye, Dusty. Um, what's your you recipe of the week? Broad bean. Broad beans resolutely unswanye. Yes. Like, I, don't, I don't even know what language you're speaking now. <laughs> Never mind. I, re- I, I really don't. <laughs> uh, you know what? It's what's really lovely when you get a ton load of calls. It feels like <laughs> the old days, as I said before. Um, and talking about the old days, let's have a break. Touch camp coffee. Come back the other side with some socials. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Good day, everyone. I hope you had a wonderful time at the live podcast, uh, but we're back to our traditional methods today and it's my turn. And just want to refer you to a post on the uh, Dumpty Dum Forum, which is a prediction for Elizabeth. So go and have a look at that if you'd like to see what Yorkshire Lass has to say about her prediction for the immediate future for both Freddie and Lizzie. I also have a quick message from Melissa Williams, who's been contacting us on Facebook to say that she's having problems registering on the website. And we I just want to assure anyone who's having problems, we are looking into it. And hopefully we'll have an update for you soon. Really appreciate that you contact us, because if you don't tell us, then we don't know. Uh, we had a lot of discussion this week, and it was mainly about Lizzie and Freddie. Um, we asked who we felt more sorry for. Did we feel sorry for Freddie or for Lizzie? And people were right down the middle or just neither. Laura Jackson fell into that category. She said, neither. Freddie landed himself in the clink by dealing illegal drugs. Lizzie's not accepted the fact that Freddie is and was a drug dealer and she has to pay the consequences. Laura Jo Elzinger said, Lizzie, she may not have been that great of a mother, 
but that's not a crime. She's paying the price of losing her license because of something another adult did. Strictly speaking, she really didn't have any control over what happened. And Sasha Manish said, Freddie, as John said, getting beat up isn't supposed to be a part of the punishment. Lizzie has no idea what to do at the moment, but she has support. Uh, John Kelston Merritt, uh, to whom Sasha mentioned, says both. Freddie's punishment is his incarceration, not them being beaten up by fellow prisoners. And Elizabeth has done her best to bring her children up to be good kids and behave responsibly. Freddie has failed her and the principle she stands for. And to see her son, the son that she loves, being beaten must be a parent's worst nightmare. So Elizabeth is feeling a failure as a mother and unable to protect the child she loves. On top of that, her daughter has run off with a little shit. Uh, or would I say, as I would say, a big shit. Uh, so, yes, very, very much uh, down the middle. Um, and you, if you'd like to get involved in that debate, please do. But it was just interesting to have people, different people's perspectives. I must admit, I think she's very much out of order the way she's speaking to people and expecting them to just blindly uh, follow her and to support her despite his behaviour. So I'm struggling with her a bit. But we also wanted to talk about Brian and Adam and whether um, Brian was out of order or was Adam's response reasonable. Now, I was a bit uh, taken aback by the way Brian spoke to Lizzie earlier in the week, and I actually thought it was a bit out of character, if I'm honest. Um, but I, we asked the question, was Brian out of order or was Adam out of order? And Lynn Griffith said, whilst I could understand Adam's anger, I thought he's referring to Eddie as paid staff a little high-handed and pompous. Perhaps simply saying not in front of Eddie Grundy might not have jarred in the same way. But as a poster on another thread pointed out, he might have used such language thinking that was more in the spirit of Brian's idiolect. Personally, it made him see even more of a snob than usual. I agree, Lynn. I, when I first heard it, I thought that was a bit um, of a strange phrase. And then I thought, oh, no, no, he's just talking Brian's language, isn't he? Uh, because uh, that's how Brian likes to think of himself as having hired help, which Eddie is. As an employee, he is hired help, but who uses that phraseology these days? Um, and Denise and Smallwood said, I think Adam referring to Eddie as paid help was meant to be a typical pompous Brian phrase. So we, I think we're all in furious agreement over this. Uh, Plant Man said Brian's always out of order. He's more out of order than a Kit Kat machine on the Piccadilly line, which never worked despite repeated kickings. <laughs> I lost two shillings. Now, I realised that that went a little off-piste, that, but it was just so funny <laughs> I had to include it. And Will Ramsey said, from an agronomy point of view, redrilling barley isn't a great idea. Pretty late, blind leading the blind. Thank you for your obviously uh, well-educated input there. I mean, I wouldn't know. And I live right in the middle of farming country in northern Victoria, and I still wouldn't know. And Marie Harris said, it's two yeses from me. My brother texted me, top job, Adam, after that scene. I was just about to send him the same message. Brian is such a phenomenal hypocrite, and Adam was a mistake. His havoc was deliberate. So... Uh, great as usual robust and funny and you all get involved and we absolutely love that so uh, it's yokel bear's turn next week so if you would like to get involved with talking to yokel bear online and sometimes we both chip in anyway because uh, we can't help ourselves and sometimes with the spoons there and as you know he puts up a saturday non-archers post please get involved with us on dumpty dum the archers fans podcast just look us up and we would love to see you there until i speak to you next time thank Hi. you for that millie uh, Lucy, 
Um, it's time for you to hit us with some tweets. Okay. Willem Harvey. <gasps> Imagine being at a karate class with Shula and Helen and having the opportunity to kick them with impunity. Who could resist? <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, Sam Mary D, Mark 21. I don't think they transfer people because they're missing quails, eggs and quinoa, Lizzie. <laughs> uh, Jem Butters said, uh, this is when um, Jimus was uh, banging on about um, uh, Freddie, about um, Freddie being, uh, you know, when he was comparing um, the gin and Freddie being uh, in prison for drugs. Uh, mm. He said, Quote, one local purveyor of intoxicants. Jim is such a perfect exemplar of pomposity. I shall endeavour to do my utmost to emulate him. <laughs> he mm. does sometimes, yeah. Jim is sometimes go, it goes slightly over the top, but in a very nice way. Um, Kernow27 uh, was talking about Eddie and his portaloo and said, great, a chance to tweet about Eddie the shitter fitter on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> and Feeksby said... The only argument for Jazza and Hannah getting together is that we get to call them Jazz Hands. Hey. (laughs) (laughs) Very, very, very good. Um, Dumtydum.com, folks. It's somewhat of a bane of of our existence, but right here and now it fundamentally works its up. So go there, be part of the forum, and do stuff. Because doing stuff is good. Though... Though, 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 there is um, another little hitch which isn't to do with hacking or anything like that. Oh, but you actually can't register at the moment. Oh, that's good. Yeah, no. You can log Wait. in, but you can't sign up as a new person. Okay. Somebody did um, email me and go, what the hell, dude? I can't sign up. I want to sign up. And then I went, I went and checked it, and they were correct. And I couldn't oh. correct it. So, yet again... Um, some person from some far distant shore who's a te- turkey expert is going to have to come along and fix it, which is, um, Jesus, cat, get out of the way. <laughs> cat has just walked right in front of the mic and then, no, I'm not feeding you. Well, it Jeez. sounded like oh, the cat came in and slammed the door, which was quite... <laughs> <laughs> did the door open? One minute. Let me just get him out of here and just rolling around on the bed. One minute. No, Dexter. Bloody hell. <laughs> Dex, go. He won't go, Royford. He's a cat. They don't do what you tell them. That was proper drama, that was. Right, like deliberately walked right over the microphone in front of the script, <laughs> threatened to walk up on, on the keyboard, and then starts rolling around and headbutting me because he wants to play. Fuck off! <laughs> I love right. you. I mean, you may have to keep that in. I love your daily battles with the animal kingdom. <laughs> <laughs> Rachel Brown, like the anti James Harriet. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, right. Uh, where were we? I was talking about dumdudum.com. Yeah. So this has a neat link for me to talk about Patreon. So if you want to help help to support our podcast, 
Uh, you can go to patreon.com and give us $2 a show. And it's in dollars, folks, because uh, Patreon is an American platform and they don't do pounds as a, as a, a uh, currency. So there's no funniness going on, as somebody once wrote on um, <laughs> on iTunes as, as, a, as a review. Uh, it's just in dollars. We can't help it. It just is like that. It's nothing to do with Russian no. hacking. And I presume then it would be in rubles. So, but anyway... And also, sorry if I know, I know I now sound completely different than I did at the start of the podcast. We've had we've the technical problems on this one have been unbelievable. So this is about our fifth attempt. So um, in between cats and um, Zencaster falling over repeatedly mm. and everything else, it's been a bit of a nightmare. This one. Oh, and special shout out goes out to Auntie Jean that retweeted my. Uh, seemingly passive-aggressive tweet, which I sent out to Zencaster <laughs> yesterday, moaning about their lack of software stability. And uh, Auntie Jean obviously figured that that's, this was this is one of the reasons why Dumbly Dumb has been late this week, and she retweeted it. And all those people that liked that tweet, big big ups and thumbs up to you, because uh, we did have a Bill and Ted. Uh, it all rolled up into one person from Zencaster, and... Uh, messaging me and then talking yeah. to me yesterday about an it because i was on the call for some of it and i've never had an it call where the person has called the client dude that was quite interesting <laughs> <laughs> yes yesterday's a yes. very interesting day very interesting day so patreon uh, that, go, go help us go go give us a little bit of your hard-earned cash we'll squander it on software uh development and keeping the website up and stuff like that uh and then um i really should uh, think really i'd know how to say this without looking looking at the script but i just can't think how we do it and remember to get in contact you can message us via speakpipe on our website which is of course dumdydum.com hit the little red tab or you can call us on 02030313105 to leave us a message from a phone. Uh juicy loose. Yes. Um how can people find you on the Twitters? Uh I am at Lucy V Freeman. And I am, of course, at Royfield, which is R-O-I-F-I-E-L-D. And together we are dum de dum And, of course, on Facebook, uh, you just type in dum de dum and you can find us there. Uh, so, uh, Lucy is um, conspicuous by her absent on Facebook. I'm hardly ever there either. We just leave that to Millie Bell, Yokel Bear, and to the wonderful Witherspoon. And they manage to keep things all tickety-boo on that platform uh loose it's just about the end of the show i'm thinking next week you know what we should do what map corner there's such a demand oh. for it from who you titian um auntie jean the list goes on and on claire asprey people love it you know they love it they love talking about maps over the radio because it's the perfect platform for it and but i tell you what we really should do though jokes aside also, Deborah, um, Nissy, I could go on, Aurora, Fanny Pants. Everybody loves a bit of Map Corner apart from you, you yeah. bloody miserable old sod. Right, Dan <laughs> Lord, the, the list really does go on. <laughs> no, no really that was four people. people. That is not no, a list. Aaron Cunningham, um, uh, Anna Amelia, uh, Catherine Rowan Jones, Dan We're just Lord. making up names now. No, I'm not. 
Blythe Spirit. How, how are these names made up? You've heard them ad nauseum. They I know, you're just repeating show. names you know and pretending that those people No, nope. celebrating Adam sent in a map, Purple Pumpkin sent in a map, Miriam sent in a map, Witherspoon sent in a map. I could go on, but I won't. Uh, I, I could say uh, Bimpy Archer sent in a map, but I won't, because that'd be really stretching a point. I could uh, add Andrew Horn to that, but I won't. I could go on. Anyway... Uh, but what we really should do next week is do our periodic roundup uh, to, to thank people for writing us reviews on iTunes um, because that's just a nice thing to do. And also it's just a cynical attempt just to get more reviews on iTunes. Because yeah. when you mention people's names, people go, ooh, I can get on the podcast, I'll write a review. But then we'll just dress it up as us just thanking people nicely because we're just nice people. And we are in part, but also we're cynical, bitten podcasts that yes. need more reviews. Awesome. Now, we've just about done this show, uh, but this is the time where you say something outrageously funny or insightful. So go, because I've oh, got nothing God. as normal. I have nothing. It's nine o'clock in the morning. I haven't even had coffee yet. I have, I've got nothing, Royfield. I am, but, you, I am, but you've been up about three hours. I haven't. I haven't. Well, it all went a bit funny this morning because um, my son doesn't have to go so? to school until 11 o'clock this morning. And... Huh. Yes. For peculiar reasons, uh, my partner left for work at uh, five o'clock in the morning. So mm. I sort of woke up at five and then went back to sleep and then had those really, really weird dreams where, you, where you're where you a half asleep dream, which is much, much worse than a proper dream. Because they're incredibly vivid and really hallucinogenic and, you know, ugh, horrible. I dreamt I had to take a load of small children swimming and they all kept drowning. It was awful. So anyway, yes, I'm not very with it. Still worrying about all the drowned children. Because sometimes, quite often, too often actually, I fall asleep with headphones on. Right. Listening to a podcast. And then I just let them just run. So they just autoplay one after the right. other. So it's a way of me actually just <laughs> sift, sifting out, because I've got too many podcasts to listen to during the week. Yeah. Quite often, I have that kind of semi-lucid dream where I'm dreaming yeah. about the podcast. Yeah. And... So a couple of times last week, same thing happened. I was talking to a group of people, having a conversation like a dinner party, and I kept on wanting to butt in, but they wouldn't let me butt in, right? And the, and the host kept on say, looking at me saying, okay, I'm going to ask you a question next, or you can put your point next. And then somebody <laughs> else would just keep talking. And I'm getting so frustrated and so angry. And I woke up, of course, I'm listening to a debate podcast. And that happened twice. But then, um, was it yesterday the, the morning before? Because, no, my my cold, my Maltese uh, cold mm. flu thing is just about abated. Just about. You know, a little bit of a still left within me. But yeah, fundamentally, okay. most of the snot and phlegm is just about gone. Good. Anyway, I was feverish as hell. Uh, was it Monday? Monday morning? Tuesday morning? One, one, one or two, I can't remember. Right. And had this dream that I had, dare I say it, the nicest wee. You know when you're just bursting for a wee and you just go, <laughs> oh, the, the, the relief on your whole system as it drains out, which is only something which you appreciate, I think, after about the age of 35 or so, having a good <laughs> wee. I, my God, Lucy, did I wake up with a start? I nearly wet the bed. <laughs> <laughs> I went, oh, my God. Like Halfway through this wonderful wee, I woke up and went, Hold on a minute. Oh, my God. I was seconds away from having a senior moment in my own bed. I'll tell you, it was all dreadful. 
Dreadful, dreadful, dreadful. Well, anyway. that's very, that fits in with the week because this whole week on Ambridge has been about uh, old people's continence problems. Auntie Cardboard not getting to the loo on time, you know, because and, and, and Auntie Peggy having to having to get Auntie Cardboard to the loo and Joe mm. having a waz all over the yard of Grange Farm because he there's no loo and he has to get his muddy boots through Grange Farm. So it's this very apposite that you nearly wet the bed, Royfield. Thank you. Mm. Well done. I, I ate growing old it's rubbish lucy don't i, I wouldn't recommend the young try it i tell it's you better. <laughs> it's better than the alternative though let's face it which is what staying young forever no, being dead mm. Mm. anyway i think on the whole i'd rather grow old anyway would you i don't know i'm dead. thinking yes well i'm 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 at like pivotal age my next birthday is somewhat of a milestone. I'm thinking I might just go out with a blaze of glory beforehand. Are you 50? How very dare you. I'm 49. You, okay, sorry. I mean, you next birthday you are. Yeah. It's horrid. Oh. What's the point of it? What's the point of little me ever being 50? Little you. Well, according that, to you, I'm hardly tall, am I? The fact that... You think of yourself as little me is quite worrying in itself and says a lot, Royfield. Well, no, I think, yeah, but it's because I think that I've seemingly, not seemingly, obviously not done much and I'm a little bit of a, you know, uh, you know, you know, you've done stuff. So have you. Such as. Oh, I'm not going to list your achievements, Royfield. This isn't a school. Because you can't. Because you can't. All right. Whatever. I'm having a crisis here, oh, and you're yeah. supposed to be your friend, you're supposed to be propping me up and whatever, and you're just going, oh, you know, dismissing my angst. And I find that very, very, very cold, actually, Freeman. Very cold indeed. I'm having a crisis. I'm 50 this year. And you've been having a crisis about how old you are as long as I've known you, which is three years. <laughs> actually, you can't count. It's four and a bit. Four and but a bit anyway. years. Yes. Well, I've always been getting older. Who wants to do that? That's the whole point of it. Anyway, you are right. This is nothing new. It's just that I've got something really to moan about this year because the big five are going to be attached to me. Listen, you are healthy. You have lovely children. Did you hear the way I started the show? Yes, the recording uh, two days ago. I mean, yes, all right, you've got a bit of a... (laughs) There you go. Not healthy. There is nothing wrong with you. You are healthy. Have you, you just heard my throat? Shut up. You travel the world doing a job that you really, really love. You've got lots of people around that love you. You have got good friends and lovely family. And I know they're lovely because I've met your parents. So okay. Fair dues about my mum and dad. Yes. And lovely friends. children. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, I'm glad to see that you're taking this mature fashion with which you take everything. And you... Uh, um. Uh, you it's have a job only that you message me when they want cash. You have, you have. Well, that's Dad, cute. Why do that to my liquid top on ASOS? <laughs> I was just wondering. <laughs> Tilly said to me yesterday, "Can I borrow some money to go out for pizza with Casper, uh-huh. my friend?" And I said, "What have you spent your money on?" So she gave me this great big list of what she. Well, I just had to get. There's tickets for this gig and da 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 da, da. And I had to, because otherwise, it's not until February, but they would all have sold out. Rubbish, rubbish, rubbish. Anyway, so I said, okay. Um, so <laughs> I said, this is a loan. You're going to, you can pay me back. 
And she said, mm-hmm. yes, 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 yes. And then she went out of the room with my card and then she came back later and then she said, um, was this a special treat for me because I did so well in the Latin test? And I said, <laughs> no, it's still alone. <laughs> you did. <laughs> and she does, you know, that face is sort of the sidelong fluttery eyelashes face. Like, this is now alone, isn't it? Because I'm just going to remind you of all the good things I've done. Anyway, listen, this will cheer you up, right? No Go matter on. how bad you think your life is, I have mm. just looked at the Daily Mirror website. Mm. And this is what I love. I love the headlines on the Daily Mirror website. Right. Ready? Yes. No matter how bad your life is, your this has never happened. Family party for dead aunt turns into mass brawl with bucket of sick knocked over policeman. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Don't know you're not the dead aunt. You're not at a family party that's turned into a mass brawl. You're not at a party that features a bucket of sick and you didn't have it knocked over you by a policeman. So there you go. Something okay. to be thankful for. That 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 is true. There's a tremendous video on the Twitters. Um, there, and it does like, it involve a bucket of sick? Does it? I don't no, want to but it involves uh, the caption: "Never mess with it with a black aunt." Right? You can really? you can walk through the most dangerous of, of neighbourhoods and whatever, <laughs> and you, you'll be safer than anything if you have your 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 maiden aunt with you, your maiden black aunt. There's this little kid. This video. She's also taken the video. Little kid in this uh, mall in America being held by a policeman and he's got his arm at some horrible angle. The kid's no more than about 10, 11. Right. This is a kid. We're not talking about yeah. some burly teenager. And his aunt's film, he's filming it, is saying, why are you holding him like that? And the kid is being super chill and calm. Mm. And the policeman is saying, you did that, you're going to do that again, I'm going to... And, and she says, let go of his arm, he's not going anywhere, I've got his father on the phone, I'm his auntie, blah, blah, blah. Policeman doesn't let go of it. And she says, I'm not going to tell you again, let go of his arm. She just goes, bish, bosh, bang. The camera <laughs> goes all over, all over the place. And like, <laughs> let go of his arm, you motherfucker. <laughs> Oh, that poor policeman. Yeah, anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Right, so um, I think we've just about done, haven't we? So we've got great things to come next week. Touch a map corner, your favourite bit. We're going to thank loads of people for writing us reviews because that is actually a really nice thing Um, and we do really appreciate them. And we've got more archers to talk about. Yeah. Awesome. Let's hope so, unless something goes horribly wrong. Yeah, I'll be another week older. Oh, fuck. Oh. All right. Yeah, but there wasn't a bucket of sick. So, you know, always, always an upside. There's the show, folks. Well done, you. All right, let's hit stop. Here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact. You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.